Well, good morning. How was everyone today? I realize I still have a phone in my pocket, so hopefully my Amber Alert doesn't go off. Without my big pulpit, I can't hide it. Uh, you know, this week, uh, you get an idea of where you're going, but then at some point you decide where you're going is not where you're going. Have you ever had one of those weeks? I hope you have, because it, it's interesting. It'll, it'll make you pray a little bit harder. Um, our farmers have started harvesting. I mean, that's probably a round of applause right there. We've had, a <laughs> we've had a tough spring, we've had a long summer, and we're probably going to have a tough fall, but we pray for all of those who, who couldn't be with us today that are, are working on a harvest, that we know that uh, they provide a lot of our resources that we have here, that we're able to, to be the church that God has called us to be. And so today as I was going through, I honestly didn't know what I was going to preach. I had a sermon prepared, and I have a series prepared out of Deuteronomy. It says so right there in the, the worship guide. But we're not going to look at that, but we are going to look at something else. It's the faith of a mustard seed. And so when you think about harvest, and you think about what our community is doing, and you think about everything that goes along, um, how do you say that? Because at, at one level, we can look at our church and we can see that we need more workers. We need stronger faith. We need people to step up and do what God has called them to do. We don't just need people who are willing to serve apathetically. We need people who have a fire in their heart, willing to put their own uh, self on the line. I mean, this was a group of young folks up here, our youth. Nathan has been working with them. I would not have signed up to do anything like they just did. I mean, raise your hand if you'd be willing to do what they just did. We got a few hands in the back, so you might, may take notes, turn around there and look. <laughs> but I mean, that puts themselves out there. Yes, they didn't have speaking parts, but they were very well choreographed. I mean, how powerful was that? of showing Jesus there with us in our struggles when the social media problems that plague so many of our young people, the ones that I never had to deal with. I mean, smartphones were invented after I was in high school. Thank Lord Jesus for that. But it's a reality of our young people. How do we live out a faith, a vibrant faith, in a culture that is becoming hostile to what we believe? I mean, when I went to school, it wasn't really all that long ago, it seems. But you didn't get looked down on because you had a faith. You know, there were some kids who would pick at you for being goody-two-shoes, that kind of thing. There were some that would go smoke behind in the bathroom, or we had a place called The Grove. You didn't join them. You may, you may not have fit in well, but... You know, it wasn't unusual that even some of our youth group hung out with them. But it didn't look bad if you believed in Jesus and you brought your Bible to school and you showed up at the flagpole one time a year or you were a part of FCA, which is the Fellowship of Christian Athens, or you did any of that. But the world is changing and it's changing quickly. If you don't follow the agenda or the program of others, you are their enemy. I mean, they're, they're, the common ground argument is gone. You know, th there used to be, well, let's just agree to disagree. 
That's gone. If you don't believe the way I do, you are evil and you hate me. That is what our culture tells you. doesn't matter if you're conservative or liberal. You can not be conservative enough or you can be too liberal and progressive and all this kind of stuff or you're not progressive enough. There's no common ground that we can come together. We see it in our politics. We see it in our religions. And we see all kind of things in our culture that is divisive and dividing this country and this nation that we live in. But then we come home and we say, well, we're just going to turn off the TV. We're just going to ignore all of those things and we're going to be in our own little private world. Well, that works for a time. It is great when we can do that for a time. We need to recharge our batteries. We need to be in our own world. We need to have a group that we come to and that we can work with on skits and that we can share with others. But we have to have something stronger than that. And as they portrayed in that skit that they just did, we need a Jesus who can help move mountains, who can take care of us, who can deliver us from this world. Have you met Jesus of the Gospels? I mean, have you truly met him? Or have you just heard of the Gospel story? The story that says, if you believe in Jesus, you don't have to worry about hell. Because that's not the Gospel that I read. The Gospel that I read calls out to mankind from the beginning of creation. It calls out. You were created for a purpose. If you live and breathe and draw breath, you were created for a purpose. You may not believe me, but you are. If you're in this room today, you have a purpose. God made you for something special. But He calls you. He's not going to just tell you easily what that purpose is because He wants a relationship with you. He wants a relationship that grows. You know, raise your hand if you are in a relationship. Everyone's hand should be up. Because it's not just uh, a, you know, husband-wife kind of relationship. It's not just romantic. You can have friendships. You can have acquaintance. But we all are in a type of relationship, whether it's employee uh, to worker, all these kind of things. We are in different types of relationships that interconnected us with other people. We are in online relationships, virtual relationships now. But relationships are interesting, aren't they? Do you have a relationship if you never talk to the person you have a relationship with? No. If you never communicate in some form or fashion via uh, actual physical talking, from virtual talking, some type of communication, sharing pictures, sharing thoughts, these kind of things, you are not truly in a relationship. If you claim to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior, the one who was nailed on a cross, the one who took the lashes on his back for you. If you claim to have a relationship with him because he has delivered you from sin which ends in death and hell, but you never speak to him, do you truly have a relationship with Jesus Christ? In the Gospels, Jesus calls out 12 ordinary men. Symbolically, they represent the tribes of Israel, you could read the Old Testament and see the significance of that with the fulfillment of prophecies and all these kind of things. But he picked 12 ordinary guys. He picked fishermen. He picked businessmen. He picked zealots. He picked those who you would not have picked to lead a church. 
He picked the sinners, he picked the rabbles, but he changed them and he molded them because he picked them and gave a relationship to them. They didn't get him while he was with them. They didn't understand his purpose while he was with them. It wasn't until the day of Pentecost when they received the Holy Spirit that their eyes of their heart were open to what Jesus truly did for them. They no longer have to wait, but they were released into this world. Peter, he didn't have the faith to stand up to a little girl around a fire, but denied his Christ. But when he got that, when the Holy Spirit came into his life and Christ opened him up, that little bit of faith that he had, it grew exponentially. He was able to preach to those who just had killed his friend, that just had killed the leader of their motley crew. And he called them out on it. And hundreds and thousands were saved because of that message. Because the power of the Spirit was in them. It wasn't their work that ever moved a mountain. It was the faith and it was God interacting in the place that we call home. So in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 36, we find a parable. Now, if you're not familiar with parables, let me use one of my my friends Tracy's explanations Tracy Campbell I work with her in Awanas she tells her kids week in and week out this a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning isn't that great isn't that easy to grasp but a parable is about ordinary things that have a much bigger significance a parable as I like to say is the ultimate insider joke if you get it you get it if you don't, you don't. Only the ones who have the eyes of faith can truly understand what these simple words can mean. Jesus even tells his disciples earlier in this chapter, he says why he uses parables. If you look at chapter uh, 12, uh, 13, verses 10, you'll find this. It says, then his disciples came to him and said, why do you speak to them in parables? And, and he said, uh, and he answered them, he said, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will, be, and he will have abundance. But to the one who has not, even that will be taken away from him. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing them they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case... The prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will uh, indeed see, but never perceive. You, for the people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they, they have been closed. Least they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and they would be healed. But blessed are the eyes, for they see. And your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it. And to hear what you hear and did not hear it. This is why Jesus says he speaks in parable. But before Jesus' time, many, many, many years ago, put your finger right there in the gospel. And if you have time, turn over to Psalm 78. It says, Give ear, O people, to my teachings. Incline your ear to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in parables I will utter dark sayings from of old things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us 
We will not hide them from their children, but tell the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and His might and the wonders that He has done. In the, in the Psalms, it proclaims Jesus will use these parables to teach the children, to teach the children of this age so that they may know what their fathers had not known, what their leaders had not known, what those Pharisees and the scribes and the, the priests and the teachers of the people had known but not perceived or understood. And so this group of 12, these 12 ordinary men, these fishers and farmers and all this type, he used them to change the world. He used them to change everything. He used them to change how we even keep our calendar. Think about that and let it sit in. And so then Jesus tells them this parable in 31. He said, he put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of seeds, but it has grown. But when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. How do you talk about the kingdom of heaven? This alternate reality to what we live in. This spiritual reality, the one that's ever present but not yet fully known. How do we speak of the kingdom of heaven? Jesus liked to speak of the kingdom of heaven, and he told them many parables so that they may understand. But here in these words, some never quite grasp it. They could hang on to this idea of faith. And, and as he expands later in 17, that if you have faith as of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, jump into the seed and it'll go. Have you ever seen someone with faith that much? All the mountains are still there, aren't they? But how do we convey the realities of the kingdom of heaven with the earth that we live in? In the kingdom of this world. When we turn on the news and all we see is politicians acting like children that need a good spanking. Our wars, our death, our drug epidemics. How do we see the kingdom of heaven when we live in a world that is so full of pain, suffering, sin, and death? You have to have the eyes of faith to see what others cannot with those who would persecute us, those who would look down on us, for those who cannot understand those secrets, they will never understand. That's why you, if you have been called by faith to know the Lord Jesus Christ truly as he is, the one that will save you, the one that will redeem you, and the one that will put you back here with a purpose, because he created you, he formed you, he knitted together in your mother's womb, you for a purpose. How do we live a life knowing that God has created us with a purpose? Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like this little mustard seed, this tiny little seed. One that I'm sure we probably have already scattered throughout this building. But this tiny little seed represents the kingdom of heaven something of insignificance, something that I had stuck between my ring finger and my ring. I had to kind of pick it out before I could come up here. Insignificance. But in a seed, there is life. 
and there is life to abundance. But a seed will remain a seed if it stays in a jar, if it stays in the bucket, if it stays at the, the co-op. A seed is always a seed. A mustard seed can be ground up, mixed with other things, and made a paste. You may put it on your hot dog or sausage dog. I don't. I think that's crazy. I use mayonnaise. <laughs> but this little insignificant thing, if allowed to be placed in the soil, when the conditions are right, it can sprout. And this little mustard seed that Jesus looked at, he knows he probably dealt with them. He probably had to help, uh, or he saw his friends and these kind of things work. And he sees how quickly they can grow. You know, you look at a cotton field. They got big seeds. And, and you know, not growing up in cotton country, the first time I came out here, I saw, is that a cotton plant? I thought it was something just growing that they were about to till up to plant the cotton. But no, that little bitty thing is this cotton plant that people just make their livelihoods on around here I mean think about it Jesus didn't say the kingdom of heaven is like a cotton seed we find life we find resources we find all this in it but cotton is finicky isn't it if you work with it if the conditions aren't just right it really won't even come out of the ground or if it comes out too quickly and then we have a strong wind and a hot sun it just withers away it's not very robust and if we have the freeze at the wrong time, the cotton bowl won't even open up. Or if you get too much weather on it, then that cotton fiber that's there is not worth a whole lot. We can get it out of the ground and we can roll it in a bale, but it's not worth much. There's a lot of work that goes into this thing that's so finicky. And so the farmers who farm cotton have to have a faith that what they're doing is for a purpose. Technology can help. There's all kind of research into seeds and to, to sprays and all this kind of stuff. It can, it can help a seed weather out a, a, a dry season. Uh, it can help a seed put out a lot of cotton on a short amount of time. But we can't perfect it. We get closer, we can mitigate our risk, but there's still risk involved. But no, Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed one that we don't grow around here you can look on google i found a video of a mustard seed company in canada they grow a lot of mustard seed in canada in fact we're the biggest buyer of mustard seeds here in the united states from canada i was looking at my little jar after i watched that video it was packaged in canada that colder environment does better for the mustard seed so you can scatter just a little bit out and it grows big and it grows fast and it's this ugly little yellow flower out in the field when the flower falls out they have the seed and you harvest it uh, and, and you use uh, like our wheat harvest it looks like that the same type of equipment goes and gathers it but Jesus said the, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed because it grows like a weed this year I dealt with crabgrass in my yard have you ever had crabgrass in your yard? Well, if you find something that'll get rid of it, please let me know. I use Roundup after a while. It did get rid of it, but it left my yard looking like a leopard. 
kingdom of heaven is like something that you can't get rid of once it's rooted and established. That is what Jesus is saying. The kingdom of heaven grows, it grows fast, and it spreads out. So even the birds can nest under it. But then he goes on and finishes the parable, and he tells him this other. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid into three measures of flour till it was leavened. Three measures of flour. Doesn't sound like a much. Three. I'm not a baker. I make some biscuits every now and then. I like using that big you know, claw-looking thing to smash the butter into the flour. That's fun. Three measures of flour is a bushel of flour. It's 144 cups of flour. That is a lot of bread. So the kingdom of heaven is like a woman who didn't just make enough bread for her house, but made enough bread for the town. The kingdom of heaven is like a woman who did ordinary things and did it with extraordinary purposes. This is the kingdom of heaven. It starts little. It starts insignificant. It starts where it seems like it could be easily lost and brushed away. But it grows and it grows full and thick to where others can come in and make their nest in its branches. The kingdom of heaven is like a lady who did ordinary tasks but for an extraordinary purpose to feed the village. The kingdom of heaven is for all and everyone. But Jesus told these parables, and he knew many would hear them and not respond, because the kingdom of heaven was not given to these, but it was given to these 12 ordinary men who had humble beginnings, who were fishermen, who were tax collectors, who were sinners and zealots and all these kind of things, the ones that you would not have picked to be the leaders. This is who Jesus Christ used. And this is who he told these parables to. All would hear. Some would hear and make fun of him. Some would hear and look for reasons to accuse him because those would follow him. But to those who would receive the secret, even more would be given to them, he said. But to those who did not, even what they had would be stripped. You know, there's this old saying that a lot of preachers use that you never see a U-Haul behind a hearse. And it is true. We don't take the things that we, we achieve in this world with us. We can leave memories. We can leave our impact. Max Lucado once wrote a book that said, How to Outlive Your Life. How to Leave a Legacy. Something Lasting. If you truly want to impact your community, you need to look beyond yourselves. When Jesus Christ came, he didn't just come for you to be a better you. He didn't come just to lift you up out of the mire, bring you up to a pedestal and put you on salvation. He came to convert your heart from an I to an other. He wanted you to have a heart that looked beyond yourself that looked to the others. There was a squabble amongst the disciples on who would be the greatest among, among the disciples in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus pulls a little child to him, an innocent child, sets him in front of him. If you want to be great, you have to be like this child. You have to be innocent as a dove. You have to accept the mysteries of faith to be mysteries if you try to take this Bible and explain everything through theological discourse and doctrine, 
and you think you've got it all figured out and you can explain the great mysteries to all that would come and listen to you and that you can write books and publish volume upon volume and you can explain it all, guess what? You're wrong. Because God is love. We don't truly understand what love is. We can love a partner, but we can't love purely, not the way that God loves us. We can't love others in a way that would send our own son to die for them. I mean, think about it. Think of the worst person in the world that's living or dead. Think about how much pain and suffering that they have inflicted on humanity. Be it a murderer, be it a con artist who, who took millions from innocent people be it the drunk driver who killed your own child think about the worst person you can think about God loves them just as much as he loves you and if you can understand that then you truly know what it is for God is love I don't I try every day to wake up and think about that how can God love some of these people as much as he loves me how could he give his life for these people as much as he gave his life for me I think of myself as a pretty good person I try to read my Bible I try to do what's right I try to follow God's prompting in my life I even brought my family with me into ministry but I still can't wrap my head around how much God is love or can I wrap up this idea of that little bitty seed, that little bitty mustard seed is like the kingdom of heaven. God uses the ordinary. Jesus used the ordinary to teach the secrets of heavenly meaning. We're ordinary people, aren't we? We didn't have dignitaries come in this morning. We don't have a secret service checking your purse as you come in. We don't have anything truly remarkably special. We have some of those in our midst that, that have a little more rain, name recognition than others, but we are by far ordinary people. <laughs> That's good. God uses you. God uses people like you. Like the woman, this ordinary chore he used to describe the kingdom of heaven. Think about that. Think about the origins of the gospel. And think that when you were born, he created you for a purpose. Please join with me in a word of prayer. Our good and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this gospel message that you have given us. Lord, teach us that we are indeed valuable to your kingdom doesn't take much just a little bit of faith and if we can have that we can change the world you took some ordinary guys and you changed the world as we know it and you can do it again in our generation in our time if we can have the faith to follow you and the fire in our heart to be brave and to be bold and to be proclaimers of your word to tell others about what you have done for us. Because it is not 
by our work that the world is changed, but is about you living inside each and every one of us that the world comes new and that a new generation can be one for the name of Christ. It is in your name we pray. Amen. Now as we enter our time of invitation.